divorce, something that is devastating. And what we know is a lot of times we don't just naturally know how to handle the situation. Um, but uh, we're really grateful for what Connie is doing with, this, uh, with these classes. But can you share a little bit about uh, your background? Well, Connie came to, to the men's group to start this class with us. And uh, we were her guinea pigs. And um, so I was, everybody I think was a little, little uncertain of what was going to happen. But, you know, going through the class, I mean, if I talked to somebody and they had a loss, and now a loss isn't necessarily a death. It could be a divorce. It could be you lose a job or just something, a loss. And I would run. I mean, I was, oh, I'm sorry. And I get away. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to say. And I find myself now, I'm, I don't run away. I'll talk to people. There was this guy at work. He lost his mom. And uh, during the course of conversation, he told me he felt guilty. And we went aside and sat down and talked. Um, I had an issue with my daughter over the holidays. And, and I, I prayed and I had words to give her. And it, it really has made a difference. And I don't run away. So you can talk to me now if something's wrong. You know, I won't run. <laughs> Cool. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. And, and, and we appreciate you sharing that. It, the, the, the point is we all go through loss at some point. And um, for most of us, we end up handling it in ways that uh, aren't always healthy. So um, gone through uh, losses, as Rick has said. But basically what I'm teaching is how to be God's skin in a situation, whether it be yourself or whether it be somebody that you come across. As Rick has said, many times when somebody comes up to you and you say, oh, are you all right? And say, oh, I just lost my mother or I just got fired or, you know, I hoped I had was able to do this or I've lost all my finances. I lost my home. It could be anything. At that time, we don't know what to say. You know, we're trained through our lifetime saying, oh, you know, it just takes some time. Or, you know, recently we've, we've heard of many people losing children. They'll say, oh, you can have more children. You, those are things you don't want to say. What you want to say is, one, you can't identify with them, one, because you're not them. If it's a divorce, it's not the same relationship. I've been through a divorce, but it's nothing like what they're going through. So the idea is there's a lot of hurting people, not only in the church, but out of the church. The Lord woke me up and said, you've buried your talent. You need to bring it to the church so they're ready for when those are outside, we'll be ready inside to be his skin. There's a lot of words being spoken. He says, but this time I, they'll know you by their love. I never said they'd know you by your words. They'll know you by your love. And your love is being God's skin. That's touching. That's being there. And sometimes never even saying a word. It's just being there for them. Not being afraid to be there for them. And to hurt with them. He says, we'll cry with those who cry. And we'll rejoice with those who rejoice. So let's be God's skin. Be ready because there's a lot of turmoil coming. And we have to be ready for them to bring them in and give them the answer to the question they don't even know. Okay. Thank you, Connie. I, I just, I knew she was going to bring some more to that. Forward and, and share with us first, and then, and then Sissy will share, but I know you're going to be blessed by what you hear is going on in these ministries. Well, please welcome them. All right. I love having that fire, man. There we go. We put you on the front row. Well, I'm excited. I like the end of the year, and uh, I love the question that, that Mark 
asked us, you know, what, have we, what has God done lately? And, and at the end of the year, I like looking back and I like thinking about, in review, what has God done in our youth ministry? What has God done in my life? Um, and I get excited because, man, there's so many good things happening in our youth ministry. There's something happening every week. And, uh, you know, we've come a long way over the, over the years. I mean, nine years ago when I came here, there wasn't really a youth ministry. And uh, our youth ministry is called Fusion. What we're trying to create here, working with the children on up, is a, is a passionate bunch of believers that are on fire for God. And uh, I'll tell you, though, nine years ago when I came, uh, I think there was seven people in the youth group. So it wasn't really a youth group because four of the people were from one family. So really, they had a bigger youth group than we did. And man, I just, every Sunday, I just thought, man, I just hope, I hope, I hope they're healthy. I hope nothing happened. I hope they're not on vacation. And it was, it was simple though. I had two prayers. We prayed for salvations. God, bring them. Let's grow. And the other one is I prayed health over that family because I knew if the flu hit them, we didn't have youth group that week. But now when I look at our youth, man, there's a vibrant bunch of believers. They're on fire. Um, you look down in the pit. And you see, you see these young people worshiping. And it's not only that, but they come up here and they minister. And I just want to, I, I got to say, one of the things I'm thankful for every year is that this church really honors and uh, believes in young people. Pastor John's really the catalyst of that. He was a youth pastor. He was a college pastor. And he told me a long time ago, he says, we will invest in that generation. And Mark comes up and helps us with the youth camps all the time. And many of the other leaders come up. So I'm just excited about that. But, um, but really, it wasn't always what we have today. In fact, I'd say two years ago, there was a tipping point, And something happened. And we had been wondering what it would happen and how it would happen. But about two years ago, we came back from camp. The fire god fell on the camp. Young people were touched, and as they always are. But then usually it kind of dwindles down. I always wondered, why is that? But this year, two years ago, this specific year, 2011. It didn't dwindle down. Actually, it was 2010 going into 2011. And the fire stayed there. And man, it has been a great ride the last two years because there is tons of fruit. You can't walk on this church campus, uh, on this campus and come to church and not see the fruit from this ministry and the children's ministry. From the moment you grab a bulletin, there's a young person, uh, whether they're in Sissy's ministry or the youth ministry. You know, the, the setup team is built of several young people. The worship team, you look up there and there's youth up there playing worship. And they're not just playing, man, they're doing it. Uh, we've got people in the prayer lines. And so I'm excited because it's a great time in, in the church for, for our young people. And we're seeing that fruit. But I want to say this, is that we are really um, building a generation of revivalists. I really believe that. First Timothy says this in chapter 4 and verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. So when I say young, I think we're thinking of these young people here. Our church sees them as a vital part of the body. We don't look down on them because they're four or six. I love it when Dirk, uh, Dirk and has the young people come over here and he instructs them on how to, how to pray for somebody. We're modeling it. But the great thing is, is we get so many testimonies from the young people praying for people and getting healed. And so 1 Timothy says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. 
And a lot of times we say the youth of today are tomorrow's leaders. But I honestly believe in the kingdom of God, these are the revivalists of today. They're the ones out there creating uh, this wave of, of energy, of power. They're bringing it every single day. Um, just the other day, a young person came to me, Megan Guerrero came to me on a Tuesday night. She pulled me aside. She said, can I talk to you? And I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe there was a problem. And she wanted to share with me how she was with a friend. And her friend said, how do you know God's real? And the answer she gave her friend was better than anything I could have ever said. I was so blown away. But the best thing about it was not her faith and her boldness, but it was the fact that she said, and then I brought her to the Lord. It, blew, it really blew me away. I just didn't, I just, I, it caught me off guard. But she says, you know what, that was the third person that I won to the Lord this year. And I thought, man, that's awesome. There was a young guy I met a few years ago. He was now a, a young pastor. He said when he got saved in 11th grade in Texas, he was a star athlete at a large school. He was a three-sport star, got saved. He got so on fire for God. He got such a radical encounter with God that he changed his focus on the young people in the school. And he said, by the time he graduated, he won 120 people to the Lord. That's bigger than most churches. But I'm telling you, this young generation, this is where the fire is. This is where the excitement is. And I remember another story from my niece a few years ago. Broken home, terrible divorce, comes to our youth camp, gets rocked, goes home to L.A., back in the fire again. But she calls me up one day and she says, I got to tell you a story. I was over a friend's house. I was going to spend the night, and we were watching a movie, and I just felt this conviction. She says, I walked out of the room, and I went in the other room, and I started reading the Bible. My friends came over, and they said, hey, what's going on? Why'd you leave? And she says, you know what? I just don't feel like I want to watch the movie. Well, what's different? What's wrong? Something changed. This summer, I got rocked by God. And she went on to tell me that she started to teach these two girls whose house they're in, a stranger's, well, not a stranger, but somebody else's house. And she starts teaching them a Bible study. And she says, you want to feel God? Yeah, we want what you want. She starts praying for them, and they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit right in their own home. And this was a 14-year-old girl. So I just get excited about that because I didn't know that when I was growing up. And man, it is tough being a teenager, you guys. I think about when I was 14. I mean, I came from a home that it was a, a, it is a model home. My mom and dad are still married, almost 50 years. My dad was the best man in my, my wedding. He's my best friend. My mom was in every part of my life. Everything was there. My dad was a successful business guy. He was nationally acclaimed in his company. He was also asked to lead a youth, uh, um, a secular youth organization back in New York. And it grew so fast and so big that he actually took a non-paid leave of absence for a year to focus on that organization. It continued to grow and he got uh, some notice from actually the White House and he got invited to, with a select few people, to actually go and spend time at the White House and get honored for his work in the youth community. And even with this kind of an upbringing, and you guys know, you were there, you guys grew up, in that time frame, or maybe before, a little bit after. <laughs> but even with all the love in the world, the temptation of the world pulled me out there and I got lost. And so it's a tough place. And we got to reach this generation when they're young. Proverbs 22.6 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, 
He will not depart from it. It is important, you guys. This is the time. This is the place. This is, there is no tomorrow. We got to treat every day like it's the last day because this generation is getting bombarded. Think about it. If it was tough for us, how much more today? Think about it. Back when we grew up, we had three or four stations. And then if you were really cool, maybe you got about 20 and you had a brown box and you had to get off your couch and you had to actually press the button to change the station. Now these kids are wired to the internet. They got instant access. Everything's coming at them. The shows, the, sec the school systems that we come into, they are bombarding them with things that are just attacking the foundations of God in their life. And then there's the, just a the continual decline in the family structure. If it was hard for me, coming from a model home, how much more today? And that's why I'm so proud when I see these, these teens. Shelly came over and she said, boy, you got a great youth group. Well, we all do. This is our youth group. But I thought, yeah, this is a special group. And I often think, man, I can't even imagine living in this day and time. But they are on fire and they're doing it. But we got to reach them now because the enemy is actually doing a better job and he's working harder at getting their attention than, than the church itself. And the reason why I say that is because studies show that. Studies show that. We're finding that, that, that there is a critical time in these young people's lives. And it's actually called the 414 window. And what they call this is the salvation period. About 83% of salvations actually happen between the ages of 4 and 14. Think about that. 83%. I mean, that's huge. If you were a business person and you knew 83% of your business came from one special sector, one client, we'd be putting everything of resource into that to make sure that we didn't lose that because it is the life source of the business. 83% of salvations happen when they go into sissy's ministry age or they come into ours. With Kevin, then they go into Kevin Mazzucato and then he sends them into the youth group and the high school group. 83%. But why that's so key is because it's immediately after 14, it really declines. In fact, once they hit 15 and they go to 19, the age is 19, only 4% of salvations occur. Why 83 and then 4? So, but still, 90% or close to it happened in that teenage, that young children. So it is a critical ministry, huge ministry. And we can't be sleeping. We can't think about tomorrow, we'll put it off tomorrow. I used to think, oh, my daughter, who's now 13 and in the youth group, I used to think, oh, I got a few years to figure this out. And then one day I thought, man, she's turning 13, 13 in two days. I better figure this out pretty quick. I just kept thinking there was always tomorrow. But man, it goes very quick. And so this is the battlefield that they're in. They're bombarded. And we've got to, we've got to put the resources there. I was at a Starbucks up in Riverside. I was getting ready to walk into a business meeting. And it was a hot day. I was outside. I got to go in a couple minutes. And a young boy peeks around the corner. And he whispered, he didn't whisper, but he, he asked me something. I couldn't hear him. And then I heard him. He said, do you got a few bucks that I could borrow? I'm homeless. I said, come here, man. Come on over here. And I had him sit down and... He sat next to me and he looked his head down. He wouldn't even look me in the eye. And I said, what's going on, man? And he says, well, my daddy got in a fight and he kicked me out of the house and he was slapping me around and I need, I need some money to get on a bus and go to my mom's house. So I started talking to him. I mean, I got to go. I got a meeting in two minutes. I drove 100 miles to get to this meeting and if I'm late, 
When I get there, they're going to shut the door and not let me in. I mean, I got a small window, and I'm thinking, man, I, what do I do? But I saw this guy was hurting, and I know the window, the 414 window, this guy's young. So I start talking to him. And, man, I start sharing stuff with him. And I said, man, you know God? And he says, well, I used to go to church. I said, really? When? He says, when I was little. And I said, look at me. Look at me. Tell me the story. And he starts telling a little bit about it. And what was so cool is he got this smile on his face for the first time. And he said, I liked church when I was little. It was so cool, man. He, he got impacted. But then the, the life hits him uncontrollably. And so at that moment, I knew I was pressed for time, but I thought, this is it. And I actually, I, I gave him some money, got him a, a, a ticket, but I said, look, do you know the Lord? And he said, no. And I said, do you want to know the Lord? And he says, I want it. And we prayed right there, and he received Christ. And I thought, man, that is it. There's, his name was Ravi, Ravi. I think of Ravi all the time. There's Ravis all over the place. There's Ravis in this school, 3,000 teens, and there's guys like him with the same story. And they're looking for something of substance. Because I know I was. I didn't leave the teachings of my parents because I wanted to one day, I said, man, I just want to be a drug addict. That's cool, man. You know what? I just want to be a slobber and drunk or drug dealer. I didn't say that. I got drawn out there because I was looking for acceptance and I was looking for relevance and the pressures were greater in that area than to follow the right thing. So we got a small window, and we've got to pour into them. But then we got to disciple them, and we got to close the door. And unfortunately, statistics show that 70% of Christians from the ages 22 to 30 leave the church and walk away from their faith. So we're, we're losing more than we're getting. So this is a critical time. It's a critical time. And the great thing about it, though, is that I don't believe that number has to exist here or in this community. I believe something good's happening here. Um, I, I, I do inventory, and I think, man, how are we doing? And we could always be doing better, right? But we just pray, and we believe, and we sow, and we give. But I believe that we can turn that around so we got that window of time, we disciple them, but then we got to close the door. How do we do that, though? Some people think we got to do more activities. I don't believe that. Some people think we got to be relevant. Yeah, I think there's some of that. But I kind of shattered that, uh, that notion. We bring Mark to camp every year. <laughs> and God shows up. He shows up. So we broke that. But there was a study done. And I believe this is it right here. If we focus on this, I believe we'll see revivalists. There was three things. They did a major study, Stephen Garber, Christian psychologist, and he, he researched why characteristics of young adults who maintained a strong and vibrant faith. And there's three things that stood out in the most of them. Number one, they developed strong convictions based on a biblical worldview. They were purposeful in discipling their teens. We've got to reach them with the word. Sissy is great at that. Kevin Mazzucato is great at that. We've got to get the word in them. Parents, I can't tell you how many times I ask somebody to read a scripture in class and no one has a Bible. 
I can't tell you how many times I go to a youth camp and I have to bring all the Bibles. Man, we got to be on that. Get them a student devotional that they can read one nugget a day. Make it simple for them. Number two, they had good mentors who showed them the way. This is key. I know I had one when I got saved. I bet you every one of us did too. But again, the youth group is a bridge, but we're not the only piece here. The best mentor that can happen is in the own home. They have studies that show that when fathers are active in their teen's life, that the teens have more confidence and they, have a, 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 they develop better characteristics. And then number three, they were involved in a vibrant Christian community, and that's what we're building. Uh, in a community where there's encounters with God on Tuesday nights, Sunday mornings, at youth camp. We're trying to create this all the time. And if we can do that, I believe there's a lot of churches that do the first two, but I think we got to be exceptional at bringing the third one. And I think we as a church are doing that. And I'm telling you what, we do that and we continue to bring those godly, we put them in positions. What's great is that we do that great. We bring them and we don't just say, hey, we're going to pray. You guys go to your seat or you're released. We say, come over, partner with us and pray. So we put these young people in positions to see miracles. Kevin gets more salvations in Sunday morning uh, middle school class. His, youth, his, his ministry is, is, is a third the size of mine, and he gets about ten times more salvations. The guy's awesome. He's awesome at putting him in positions to get miracles and see salvations. And then I also want to say this. At 1 John 2.14, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who's from the beginning. And I write to you, young men and women of fusion, because you're strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. So if we just pour into them, put them in position to have a relevant walk with God, I believe we'll see great things. And I want to just close with this. If you're a parent and you've already raised your teens or they're already, or your kids, or, you're, and you're, or you've got teens well into, you may, I, I don't want you to think like I missed the boat. You can't teach what you don't know. It's never over. We've, there's always a chance. I'm an example of that. Even though my parents did everything good for me, there was one thing they didn't do. They didn't pray for me. They didn't have a walk with God. Thank God I had a sister who got saved and prayed for me every single day. And even when it looked like I had no hope, she did not give up. When I was 20 years old, I was selling drugs. One of my friends got killed at robbing a hotel. He had an armed robbery, and he got shot, and he died. Six months later, one of my good friends around the block for my whole life died in a drunk driving accident. Four months after that, two of my friends, including my best friend, got stabbed to death in a fight in a beach that I was at, watched my best friend die before me. Months after that, another good friend of mine got arrested for um, federal charges of drug smuggling. And then another good friend of mine, shortly after that, went to prison for murdering somebody in the fight. I was hanging out with these guys. How? I don't know. The only thing that saved me in the worst time, was a praying sister. So that's the one thing we can always do, is we can pray, 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 
Don't give up. Don't lose faith. I guarantee it. We're seeing good things. I believe 2013 is going to be the best year for our youth ministry, for the children's church, and I'm excited uh, for, for our church. And so I just want to say God bless you guys. Happy New Year, and thanks for all your support.